When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. Don't kid yourself, Femi, thinking this Watson contract hasn't really stalled some of these other quarterbacks. It really has. I mean, you know, why shouldn't Lamar get all guaranteed? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, OTA season is upon us, and we're back oh, to wow. football. <laughs> Loving it. Yeah, you love it. I mean, everybody's positive. Everybody's going to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody's having great camps. So it's it's the good time to feel good about everything. So, you know, look, if not now, when? You know, I mean, if mm-hmm. you, you don't feel good about your team in May, when are you ever going to feel good about your team? You yeah. know, it's it's <laughs> it's rare that you walk out to practice in May and not think, oh, we got a good team. You know, everybody does. You know what? I don't blame these teams for feeling good about themselves at this point of the calendar because it'd be pretty depressing if you felt terrible about your yeah. team before we get to Memorial Day weekend. But yeah, uh, No doubt. <laughs> I mean, you'd commit suicide. You're like, oh, shit, give me one of those Sinai pills. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Tweet at us, at MLombardiNFL, at Femi Bebefe is where you can find me. Our producer, Stephen Bond, is back with us on the ones and twos. Good to have him, as always, Michael. And I want to start off here. This news came out yesterday afternoon-ish, late morning-ish time. And it was from Adam Schefter out of ESPN saying that the Las Vegas Raiders will be working out Colin Kaepernick. Now, I believe the workout took place yesterday is what I was reading Mm -hmm. about. But it's the first workout for Kaepernick with an NFL team since the end of the 2016 season. He hasn't played since that 2016 season. Of course, he went 28 and 30 in 58 career starts there. And according to reports, it is a legitimate workout. And before we get into all the possibilities here with Kaepernick potentially joining the Raiders, as somebody who's on the outside and has never been in the building, what exactly goes down during these workouts? Well, I mean, these are, you know, you're only allowed to spend a little bit of one day with them. They're not really, they're not rookie workouts. They're not like, hey, how much time are we going to spend over the playbook and teach it plays? These are kind of like, hey, let's get together. I'm sure he spent time with Josh McDaniels. I'm sure he spent time with Dave Ziegler. You know, I mean, my son mixed there. I haven't talked to him. They've been in the middle of mini camps, but, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go on the field and then there's certain drills that you've got to run. They've got receivers out there to help help facilitate the drills and you, you tape it, you watch it, and then you kind of sit back and reflect on like, how does he fit? Is he better than Jarrett Stidham? Is he better than, you know, Nick Mullins? Would he be able to contribute? How does he fit to our offense? What changes in our offense will we have to make? I think there's got to be some symmetry between your starting quarterback and your backup quarterback. You can't have two offenses. I think it's one of the reasons why Baltimore, you know, was successful, you know, in terms of when they shifted from Lamar Jackson, you know, and they went, you know, and then they went into, you know, they they changed, they didn't have to change their offense when they went to Tyler Huntley. 
you know, they were able to co contribute and, and keep kind of the flow of it going, right? So that's kind of what you're looking for. And then the one thing, too, about backup quarterbacks is they've got to play on no reps. They're not going to get very many reps. You know, the football's a mathematical problem. So there's only so many reps in training camp. There's only so many reps during the week. Your starter's going to take the bulk of those. And if you're giving away reps, you know, to the backup, and he'll get two or three in each period, but he's not going to get a lot. He's got to be compliant, detailed, and understand the offense well enough to go in and execute. I think that's really the bigger concern from the Raiders standpoint is the mm -hmm. is the 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 lack of consistency between what Carr does and what and what what Kaepernick once did. I don't know what he looks like today. I mean, five years in the NFL is a long time, Femi. It's a really long time, and I tip my cap to him because he's sort of kept himself in shape. I mean, he had the throwing workout at the Michigan spring game earlier this spring and he's had other workouts where he's had like these showcase things to try to send tape to NFL teams so he's really kept himself in shape what was it about Kaepernick that you think attracted the Raiders to him now they haven't signed him we don't know anything sort of about him joining the team but a first workout here for him since 2016 is noteworthy <coughs> what is it about Kaepernick that attracted the Raiders to him when you look at the rest of their depth chart and him not really matching what the other guys do well, I mean, he's got experience as a player. I mean, Kaepernick has played and started NFL games, took a team to a Super Bowl, you know, which is way different than Jarrett Stidham. It's way different than a lot of quarterbacks. I've always mm -hmm. maintained, you know, you cannot like Kaepernick the way he played with Chip Kelly at the end of that career in San Francisco, but his resume is still better than a lot of these guys that are backup quarterbacks. I mean, think about how bad some of these backup quarterbacks were last year. Yeah. You know, and, and so... You know, it, it's like it's it's the the lesser of two evils. You may not love the full game of Kaepernick, but he's better than Nick Mullins, who started a game last year. He's better than some of these other guys that started games, and you're wondering like like Mike Glennon, like in fair. <laughs> I mean, Mike Glennon has made a ton of money, and like he's never played, never took a team to a playoff game. And yet Kaepernick did. So I, I think there's that that goes into it. You know, I mean, look, if I were Seattle, I mean, Pete Carroll worked him out. I, I would be interested. If mm -hmm. I was Atlanta, you know, if Atlanta loses Mariota, they're off to Felipe Franks. I mean, are, are we sure we want to go there? What about Desmond Ritter, our guy? Well, they got, but he's a rookie, you know, yeah. so you're going to put him right into the fire? Yeah. You know, are you going to put him right into the fire? I, I don't know. I mean, it, to me... I think if, if you – and I've said this before. If we're betting over-unders here on win totals, you better make sure you've taken, taken full stock of the backup quarterback. Mm, no, you, know, you better make sure you understand who's in there because you, you could be going to that. Yeah, no, it's a really important position there, um, and it can save your season, as we've seen it save seasons for these other teams. And when the news came out, I was interested to see, like, okay, what is the connection here? And NFL Network's Ian Rappaport made the connection, pointed it out, saying that your son, Mick Lombardi, the now offensive yeah. coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders, worked with Kaepernick back when Kaepernick was in San Francisco. So there is a little bit of a connection. There's a familiarity there with Mick Lombardi, knowing the type of player and the type of person that Colin Kaepernick is. What do you think if you were to sign with the Raiders? Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I just want to kind of kick it around with you. What do you think the role would be for Kaepernick? Would it be similar to what we saw with Mariota last year with Carr? I think it would be. I think it would be a little bit of a dimension to come in. Look, he could always run. You know, now, is he willing to run? Is he able to do that? What kind of shape is he in? All that, I don't mm -hmm. know. But, I mean, Mick has seen the best of Kaepernick when he was, you know, he throws that interception up in Seattle, uh, Richard Sherman in the end zone. You know, that game... 
kind of had a chance. They were they went into Green Bay the week before and won. And then he's seen the worst of Kaepernick, which was the Chip Kelly era. You know, and so he's seen both. And I mean, obviously, he's taken a team to a playoff games and won playoff games. So, but you know, I do think there is a place in the NFL for a quarterback that can come in there, especially in the red zone. You know, that could come in and do some things with it. And I don't want to make it an RPO game, but I, I want to make it something where, you know, you feel like the kid could come in and do something on the short yardage, kind of run pass option, give you a chance to really have the opportunity to maybe make a big explosive play. And I think there is a time and place for that in the league. And I think if you have that, I think Mariota gave them a little bit of that. Now, it, it becomes a little bit problematic because you put the guy in and you just run the play for the guy, which isn't exactly what you want to do. Yeah. But it, it, at least it gives you some versatility with the offense to get that to get that one yard, which you desperately need. Yeah. No, it, it's really fascinating to see if he were to get into the league, what kind of role he would take. Because like we mentioned, hasn't played since 2016. Now we're sitting in the year 2022. But the fact that he's kept himself in football shape is commendable. Uh, I want to ask you about some other guys who are keeping themselves in football shape because it's OTA season and this is the season yeah. where everybody's in the best shape of their life, Michael. I don't know about you. When was the last time you were in the best shape of your life? Is it right now, yesterday? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was, you know, I mean, look, I, two things I know. Every time I've ever called a player, he's just coming back from a workout. It could have been one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where you been? I just got back from a workout. Oh, really? What you do? You know, like, I've never called a, it's 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 one thousand percent. You call a player on the phone. Yeah, I just got done working out. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like never dinner. and it's like the off it's like the off season. Yeah, I, I just got done. You know, I'm in the best shape of my life. We'll see. But I I think you know one thing that Brady has done. I think if you just pay a little bit of attention to the world you live in, mm. is Brady has made all the other players, if they want to be great, have to be accountable for their bodies. I, I think it's pretty clear. I think, you know, when you just pay attention to the league, LeBron James spends a million dollars on his body. Brady spends probably $2 million on his body. The attention to detail, the commitment that these players are making to these trainers, to their diet, to their nutrition, I, I think if you're not doing those things, you're falling behind. Yeah, no, the, the offseason is no longer a time to kick back and go on vacation. In the past, maybe training camp would have been the time for guys to get in shape. Now you got to be in shape year-round because by training camp, we need you to hit the ground running. Otherwise, you can get injured. And I made a list of some guys who, over the last few days, I've been reading who have been in the best shape of their lives here. Uh, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones. Jets yeah. quarterback Zach Wilson, Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert, Cowboys wide receiver C.D. Lamb. He even grew half an inch. We'll get into that later. Uh, 49ers quarterback Trey Lance. When you look at these things, and Mac Jones, I want to start with him because yeah. during the draft process, people were talking about, oh, well, he doesn't look the best with his shirt off. He has a little bit of a belly fat. So maybe there could be something there with Mac Jones strengthening the core and coming in shredded in Pat's OTAs. Well, I think he's the perfect example. And I, and I said this at the end of last year. He he knew he had to get his body in shape. I mean, more than anything, he needed to take a giant step in training. And, and I think if you listen to his commentary, he did. He, he, got, he got serious about nutrition. He got serious about sleep. He got serious about training. 
you know, I, I mean, I don't know what was going on in Alabama, but clearly working on your body wasn't one of them, you know. So he got he got that. Hats off to him. We'll see if it translates. I think what the quarterbacks are telling us, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's Justin Herbert, is you better be in shape to handle the pounding you're going to get. I mean, it's not 1950 pounding that we saw Unitas take or we saw Sonny Jurgensen or some of those old-time quarterbacks get the crap beat out of them, but it's still legitimate pounding. And if your body can't handle it, it becomes a real issue. And I think these guys are saying, I need to do better, and I need to take a giant step forward in my training. And I think Brady has been the shining example of that. Look, the money's too great. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Brady's playing it. I mean, Matt Ryan just turned 37 the other day, and if he can continue to play at a higher level, he's got three more years of earning power at significant money. So there's too much at stake to not. Yeah, no, J- Justin Herbert is a guy who's a big guy, but he even added muscle. Zach Wilson's the one to me that I've seen consistently over the last three weeks. All these photos of these comparisons of last year to this year. And he came in as a kind of smaller statured guy coming in from BYU and he got hurt last year. So maybe that's added. This muscle will help him stay healthier this year, because when you look at the photos from OTAs from the Jets camp, he looks like a bigger guy. It looks like he's put on about 10 yeah. to 15 pounds. Right. And, and I mean, look, there's such high hopes for the Jets. I, I've never seen a team with more high hopes than, than the Jets. I mean, the head coach is talking about how much improved they're going to be, you know, and and we're listening to, you know, we're much better. I know we're better. I mean, when you look at their numbers over the last year, that was disaster. They were 32 in a lot of areas, especially defensively. And so I think a lot of this is they've signed them. But, you know, when you look at when you look at the Jets in the last I just was working on this. I mean, I mean, when you look at the in the last 10 years, you know, in the last five years, the Jets have 22 wins and 59 losses. They're tied with the Giants for the worst record in the National Football League, 22 and 59. Meanwhile, in the last 10 years, the last 10 years, they're 55 and 106. I mean, so and the Giants are 61 and 100. I mean, the last 10 wow. years of football in the New York metropolitan area has been a disaster. I mean, it's been a disaster. But think about this. The Jacksonville Jaguars in the last 10 years have won 42 games. Oh. 42 games. <laughs> that hurts my last stomach. Last 10 years. <laughs> I know. And, and like you look at teams like the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders and the Washington football team, they've only won 65 games. I mean, so there's these franchises that have really the last 10 years have been dormant. Yeah. That, Zach Can you imagine the Jaguars have won more, the the Jaguars have won three more games than the Giants and the Jets in the last five years? That's that's incredible. A- anytime you're behind the Jaguars in a win total over a span of five years, no you, doubt you know, you know you're doing no something doubt. horrible. <laughs> that is just not horrible. good. And maybe one of these New York teams pop. Everybody loved their drafts. The Jets and the Giants got rave reviews for what they did over the draft week. And maybe this is just the building block of what's to come. And we can get football back in the New York area or in the New Jersey area out there in the Meadowlands. Um, Michael, I want to take a quick break here. On the other side, I want to ask you about some guys who did not show up to OTAs. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So 
as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game, my new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. You know, Michael, this time of the year, OTAs, the headlines, the big ones that come out of it are about the guys who don't even show up. Yeah. And OTAs are voluntary. Nothing's mandatory until the actual mini camp, which will be in the middle or late June action. But here is a list of guys who did not go to OTAs. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, Browns QB Baker Mayfield, but that's expected, 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel, and the Commanders wide receiver Terry McLaurin. I'm sure there's others who I'm missing, but let's work with that group there. And from Lamar's standpoint, it really interests me because this is the first time he's missed OTAs. He's a guy that usually likes to be around the team. He's the leader of that team, but he doesn't have a contract just yet. It feels like it's going to be academic and the Ravens are eventually going to give him his money, but why are they making him wait on his money? You know, I, I don't get a sense of that either. I, I think, you know, it's interesting that there's been a change in the Ravens. You know, Sashi Brown, the former general manager of the Browns, who then went to work for the Wizards, came in to replace Dick Cass. And yesterday he was quoted as talking about the contract, you know, and, and typically that's never been what Dick Cass has done. You know, so I think you're seeing, you know, is 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 Sashi Brown going to take a more active role on the football end of it? as opposed to what Cass was just strictly on the business end. Now, he said they're going to get something done. I don't doubt that. But, I mean, to me, if I were in Baltimore, I wouldn't be in that much of a rush either. Because, I mean, you know, the 19 season was two years ago. He didn't play well last year. I think he's got to take a huge step forward. I'm worried about their offense. I'm worried about their passing game. I'm worried about what they do to highlight Lamar's skill set. And, and I think, look, they're going to have to sign him. But what is the number? Is it 45? Is it 48? I mean, it, it, to me, it's not that. It's, he's not better than Mahomes. You know, he's not better than Aaron Rodgers, who exceeded the $50 million. So where are you going to go? And, and these contracts are the hardest ones. They're the easiest ones to do, but they're the hardest ones to grasp because if the player thinks he's worth the same as Mahomes, mm -hmm. then that's what's really going to stall it out. And from a quarterback standpoint, and even just with any big contract that gets – pushed out there it's usually from my read it's typically not about okay this player versus that player it's always just all right who's the next person up to get paid then gets the most to reset the market is that kind of because it seems like that's the trend of what we've been seeing ever since joe flacco in 2012 when he becomes the highest paid quarterback in the league everyone's like what's going on there but he just happened to be coming off a super bowl mvp run and he happened to be getting paid there and 
now we see it with Matthew Stafford. I mean, we saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo when he got paid in San Francisco. A lot of these guys get these deals. Dak Prescott, now Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers reset the market again. Deshaun Watson really reset the market now with the fully guaranteed. I guess if I were running a team, I would say, all right, we got to pay this guy because I don't know what the alternative is. Lamar Jackson, before he got there, the Ravens were kind of teetering. Uh, a lot of people forget that. I mean, John Harbaugh, I don't know if he was in trouble with his job, but it had been a couple years since they'd made the playoffs, and they've been able to make the playoffs every year since then outside of last year when Lamar Jackson got hurt. And the, the, what I always think about is that, is that the quote of yesterday's price is not today's price. What happened yesterday doesn't affect what happens today in, some, in terms of it maybe going up a little bit more. And Lamar Jackson, to me, is the most valuable player in that organization. And if they want to win games, it's going to have to be with him unless they have some sort of alternative plan to replace him at quarterback, which on the horizon, it doesn't seem like that's really what's happening there on the surface level. I should no, I, I don't I, I don't see that either. You know, there's no preparation for that. Uh, and I, I think it's just a hard contract to do because I, I think, do you want to pay him? Do you want to pay him the, the you know, the, in that four, mid 40 range? Is that where you want to go with this on a long term deal that guarantees him? You know, we saw Watson come in at 46 per year with all of it guaranteed. Yeah. Don't, don't kid yourself, Femi, thinking this Watson contract hasn't really stalled some of these other quarterbacks it really has i mean you know why shouldn't lamar get all guaranteed yeah you know why shouldn't he get it all guaranteed why shouldn't you, you know why shouldn't russell wilson when he redoes his deal shouldn't get all guaranteed i think russell wilson's deals hold up because of the new ownership group coming in eventually mm-hmm. they're going to sell that team you know i mean we know why baker mayfield hasn't been able to get a new contract of course he doesn't have a team but, I mean, Kyler Murray, to me, is the most dangerous of all of them because are you sure you want to put him in this category? You think Kyler Murray's going to take $35 million a year? And of course not. You think he's going to take, you know, he's going to want to be paid what Josh Allen is at 43, and, and he's not the same player. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Steve Kime said we're going to get it done this summer. He's kind of nonchalant about it. But, like, like if I were Steve Kime, I think it's the worst place I could be in football. I got a good player. I don't know if he's a great player. Can't stay healthy. Doesn't play well when he's hurt. I mean, he's played in almost all the games. But there's a variance we see clearly with Kyler Murray mm-hmm. when he's healthy and when he's not. Yeah, That would scare me to death. And the Cardinals have probably some trepidation in terms of paying Kyler Murray, but – what Kime said on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, he said that well, they're going to pay him and then they feel like something will get done later this summer. That situation with Kyler's agent being Cliff's agent, all it, the whole situation just seems weird to me and I'm sure it'll get worked out, but Kyler has said he's not going to step foot on the football field until he gets that new contract. And if you're the Cardinals, once again, my question is, what is the alternative if you don't pay Kyler Murray? Am I comfortable paying Kyler Murray $45 million a year? No. But do I have to? Probably yes. Is kind of how I look at it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you got two more years. You got two more years. You got this year and you got next year. And and if he doesn't want to play football, you know, then he's just, then that's his choice. He's going to get his, his contract's going to get told. I mean, look, the other thing is, too, is are we sure he's a great leader on this team? You watch the body language of, of him mm-hmm. doing games. I mean, do you want to pay that for a guy? I don't. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, like I, I think he's, I, to me, I, I respect the talent. I respect the beep beeps. I respect that, you know, that he's <laughs> running beep. around out there. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into it. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying, like, I'm not sold that it's worth 45. I don't know how anybody could be, you know. I don't know how anybody could be, including Cliff. I mean, including Cliff. Well, the reason why I say that I feel like you're, you have to pay me is because if he doesn't play, 
we're probably all getting fired because we're going to win four games. Like, like, if he doesn't play, I think it's a disaster for Arizona. Uh, well, I mean, look, the Colt McCoy's won a couple games for him. Like, he went up to Seattle and won a game. You know, he went, you know, in San yep. Francisco, he won a game. I mean, I don't think Colt McCoy's good enough. He won't stay healthy long enough for the season. I don't think Trace McSorley's going to be able to be the answer either. But, I mean, to me is like, I just don't know how you put this guy. I don't know how you're going to be able to get a deal done and say, okay, you know, Derek Carr just got done for forty million a year, basically, mm-hmm. with sixty-five million of it guaranteed. You know, and so, you know, is that the deal you want to do? You want to do Matthew Stafford's deal? Do you want to do Dak Prescott's deal? You know, like that's kind of the. I mean, when you when you, we do the top quarterbacks, which we're going to do blue chip and red chips, we're going to start that ten weeks yeah. before the season starts. I mean, is he a red? Is he a blue chip? No. I'll, I'll, I'll tease that. He's not a red chip. He's not a blue chip player. He's not the top five player at his position. No. There's no way. There's yeah. no way he's the top five player. So you got, But you're going to pay him like that because you feel like you have to? I, I, I don't see it. You know, I don't really see it. I mean, if you just go through it, I mean, you got Brady, Herbert, Burrow, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. There's your blue chips. You want your Reds? You got Stafford, Mahomes, Carr, Prescott. I got I got Mahomes as a red chip based on his play last year. Wow. Uh oh. <laughs> Don't give away the goods, Michael. Don't give away the goods. <laughs> but 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 you got to look at the numbers, right? Yeah. And so like we'll we'll kick this. But I mean that's the reality. I mean, I mean, t- tell me who should be the next guy? Is it you know based on the numbers, based on all the the things? I mean, like where where is this all coming from? Yeah, and, and Kyler. I've always been a Kyler believer just because I believe in the talent, but the durability concerns that you outline are very fair. And that's something that is probably what's scaring the Cardinals a little bit, because like you mentioned, when he gets hurt, he's not the same guy when he's not able to do his agile moves in the pocket. And when the beat beat gets taken away. (laughs) Yeah. When he can't beep beep. I mean, look, look, it's, and then when you rush him the right way, watch the games. Like when you rush him the right way, it's hard. Like, I don't know how you pay him. I don't know how you pay. Like, I, I, there's a deal to be made for him. It's yeah. just not an – I don't see it. Like, unless he does something – why do you think – let's work backwards on this. Why mm-hmm. do you think he's demanding a deal now? Because he wants his it's money. He wants security. Like, it's a little bit like why did Rich Strike not run the Derby, the, the Preakness? Because <laughs> they know this is the highest level Rich Strike's ever had in terms of breeding fees. And if he loses and finishes in eighth place in an eighth horse race in the Preakness, those fees come down. If Murray's the same thing, he doesn't want to do, he wants to get paid and then pay for the on the come, not pay for what I've done. It's the greatest thing in, in, in sports is you got to buy this. It's like, why did Sean Bradley not work out for teams during the NBA draft? Because David Falk didn't want anybody to really see what, what was there. And so you bought on spec. And, 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 the, and the 76ers got screwed. It's the same reason. Like, he doesn't want to go out there and compete. Like, if I were Kyler Murray, you would say, well, just go out there, compete, and maybe we'll even get better than Rodgers' deal or Watson's deal. But he wants to get paid now for what did he, what has he accomplished? It's, it's a great strategy because it, it forces you to have to make a commitment. And if you're like Kime and you're saying it's going to get done because you're trying to make the player happy, it, 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 it's never going to work. Yeah, no, I mean, it's injury security for, for Kyler Murray. And also, in fairness to him, money today is better than money tomorrow. I'd rather have money. If you're going to pay me the money, I'd rather no, take it as I, well. I today. would. 
but what's the sense of doing a what's the sense of having a five year deal when you're a quarterback in the first pick overall and you're starting to rip it up after you know after year three? You know, I mean, if you're if you've taken me to the playoffs and we won playoff games like Josh Allen did, okay, great, we'll do it. Like I know who you are after this point. Like I don't know who you are. Like I don't really know who you are right now. Like I think you, I see moments of being, but I, you're asking me to pay on speculation. Like that never works. No, it's a little bit of a, a, a risk there for for Kyler Murray. Let's play the game of let's look for an alternative. Uh, there's a quarterback that's out there, former number one overall pick as well. Used to play for Cliff Kingsbury way back when in college when he was at Texas Tech. Baker Mayfield, would they ever think about bringing in Baker Mayfield to this Arizona Cardinals camp if they didn't want to pay Kyler Murray? Uh, well, I think to me, that's a move I would make. I would bring in, I would try to bring in, now they don't have the cap room. That's the other mm-hmm. biggest issue is they don't have cap space. I mean, they're, you know, you, you, when you bring Murray in, you, you've got to have cap room. The Cardinals don't. The Cardinals are going to ha- just barely be able to get their rookie signed. So they don't have that $18 million to take on their deal. You know, now maybe, you know, if, if they redo a deal, they could do something, but they've pretty much exhausted those options. So I, I don't see that. I, I, that was a move I would have made. If I would have been Kime and, he, and I got that letter, I'd say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like, I'll bring Mayfield in for a year. You coach him, see what's going on. Like, once you become hostage to you've got to do this, this mentality never has worked. Either you pay or you're going to lose. Like, that never works. Because you're going to get into a bad contract. It, it happens every year in the NBA. All these bad contracts are, well, if we don't pay the guy, we're not going to be very good. Well, you're going to not be very good when you pay him. But also with the cap going up, is that also a reason to pay somebody now? Because the TV deals are going to get done. I mean, Apple's probably going to take over NFL Sunday ticket. The revenue, the NFL, they're not hurting for money. The salary cap could go up, which could alleviate some of these big money kind of quarterback deals. Because to me, it almost looks like $40 million a year is the new $30 million a year. Like a decade ago, if you yeah. told us that quarterbacks were making $40 million a year, we'd have been like, that's insane. But now that's just cost of doing business. It is the cost of doing business. But I, 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 I it's still, is he worth it? I mean, look, you know, there's always that fallacy of nobody's really worth the money. But I mean, when you make that commitment, you're making a huge, you're basically eating a huge portion of your, of your paycheck, of your cap to the player. Can mm-hmm. he carry you? Is he going to be able to carry you through it? And are you going to be feel comfortable that he can play great for 17 games? I, I just, I don't have the answer to that. Like, I think there's moments where, and this is what happens with a lot of guys that flash. When you see the flashes, you fall in love. But when the flashes aren't there and he's no longer healthy and he can't move, go back and watch the Seattle the last game of the year. Watch the Seattle game. I mean, just watch yeah. that tape. Like somebody, you know, it's like when they were sitting there talking about Chet Holmgren being the first pick overall. Is somebody going to put the Arkansas tape on and watch that? You know, <laughs> like, are we watching that game or are we going to we got to pay attention to that? Like at some point, like, are we going to watch the Seattle game where we, you know, where basically we weren't very good or the Ram game where we got destroyed? You know, I had 183 yards of total offense in the Rams game. We had 305 against a bad Seattle team. I mean, I, I mean, are we going to talk about that? How about the Indianapolis game where we couldn't, you know, we're playing at home. We couldn't win that on Christmas Day. Yeah, that was a tough one. I, I, and I'm yeah, it was a I bet. But nobody, everybody has short memories on this stuff. It's like, okay, you got to pay them. You, well, that's because the media says you got to pay them. That doesn't mean you have to pay them. You got to have options. You got two years. It's like it's like Tony told Pussy, Push, you got options. <laughs> you got options. You got options. Steve Kimes got options. He just keeps giving it away. Well, we're going to get it done. 
Like Steve, what are you going to pay him? Forty five, forty eight. Like, like, are you going to get are you going to get lifts in his shoes, too, when you give him all that money? <laughs> give him some longer cleats. <laughs> um, I, I'm one who has fallen in love with the Kyler Murray, the talent there. But I hear what you're saying. And it's going to be a fascinating thing over the course of this offseason. Let me ask you this, Femi. Let me ask you, is you're, since you're having this love affair and you're smooching yeah, all the way to the drive. I, I love me some talent, how many, Michael. <laughs> how many fourth quarter comebacks did he have last year? I mean, off the top of my head, I can't really tell you how many he had. He had one. You get game one, one one game winning drive over his career in three years in forty six games, he's had five fourth quarter comebacks. That's it, mm-hmm. five. Yeah, no, but th- th- what what I think of is the first time I they mean, played the L A Rams and that Rams defense that ended up leading them to the Super Bowl, he made them look silly. Like like there's, right. there's, okay, there so, there has to be a middle ground here with Kyler, and I get what you're saying about the ceiling or the I mean, floor I, might be I, low, I, but the ceiling is also there I mean, as well. All right, he led him back against Detroit, okay? <laughs> he led him back against a bad Cincinnati team in 19. He led him back against a, a, an Ar- a Atlanta team in, 16, in 19. Then in 20, you know, he, San Francisco, Seattle, Buffalo, Philly. And then again, last year it was the Minnesota game. That was it, one game. Like, I want to see more. Like, aren't I entitled to see more before I get $48 million out or I should just pay it? No, you are entitled, and he's only been in the league for three years. So, like you mentioned, he has two years left on that deal, but he's going to want the money now that he's eligible for it. But to me, I just always think of, okay, if we don't pay him now, he's clearly going to be pissed off even if he comes back. He's pissed off now. You can't make him happy. This guy's guy's perpetually pissed off all the time. (laughs) Look at his body language on the field. He's always pissed off. Like, he shows no leadership skills whatsoever. None. Like, nobody can deny that. The guy shows no leadership skills on the field at all. And he shows less off the field. Like, oh, okay, I'm not coming. Even though I'm under contract, I'm not coming to OTAs. Like, okay, don't come to OTAs. You were so good last year. Don't even bother coming. <laughs> like, I just think we're falling in, we fall in love with this one play. This, I mean, I look, I think I marvel at his speed, his mm-hmm. quickness. But when it's the, you know, it's the fourth quarter of a game in the playoffs and you rush him the certain way and you contain him in the pocket – He's the mayor of Munchkinland. I mean, he's short. He needs lifts. <laughs> Maybe we can pay him and trade him to like New Orleans or some team that needs a quarterback. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> it, you couldn't run New Orleans scheme with him in there. You couldn't. You couldn't run that scheme because, he, you know, you, you got to be able to get him on the move. You got to get him out of there. He can't see. Same problem with Baker. He, they both can't see. I mean, the, it's and, and then you worried about him getting hit. Yeah, no, Kyler Murray is going to be – Uh, A topic of discussion all throughout the offseason, but we're going to take another quick break because you wrote about the Indianapolis Colts, and I want to ask you about them next year. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, a team that I'm high on heading into this offseason, the Indianapolis Colts, ended up being the topic that you wrote about today for VEASAN. What prompted you to discuss this Indianapolis Colts team and what kind of stands out when you look at that roster? Well, you know, I I think Jim Irsay, uh, you know, his collection of guitars and, you know, his commentary on Carson Wentz led me to think, you know, and, and doing this book that I've written, that, you know, I was going through a lot of the history of the Baltimore Colts and certainly when his dad owned the team. But, I mean, Jim Mercy has been around football a long time since he's a kid. It's the only profession he's known. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, his willingness to come out and say what he said about Wentz, which I thought was true. Who could disagree with it? You know, and his ability to stand by Reich and Ballard, even though, you know, most owners could say, well, you made that decision, you should get fired. I think was was something, and, and and I thought just when you peel back the layers of the Colts, I think there's this com- this perception of them that is well, you know, they're really good on defense, and Wentz just screwed everything up. When you know that's really not true, and what what highlights to me more than anything when we talk about their over win total at nine and a half, and I wrote about this is the fact that they're only fourteen and ten in the South. Mm. In the, since Frank Wright's been their head coach, they've only are four games above 500 playing in the South. That's, and that's to crazy. me, yeah, I mean, to me, that's where the focus has to be. And I think the addition of Matt Ryan will be really good. I think the two things that I, I, I wanted to highlight in the piece was their inability to dominate the South. And even though we don't compare this player to Kamara or... Christian McCaffrey or, you know, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor as a pass game receiver is remarkable. Average nine yards a catch, had 40 catches last year. I mean, to me, when with Ryan, and if you're playing fantasy, I think he's the, the one of the should be one of the first picks in fantasy because he's going to give you five and a half yards a carry and he's going to give you nine yards in the passing game. He's going to catch more balls with Ryan than he ever did. So to me, this guy is so unique that we get caught up with how great of a runner he is, but he's really a weapon out of the backfield. Yeah, and it's interesting because that's what he was knocked about. Like, coming out of the draft, everyone said, oh, can he catch passes? Can he catch passes? Because Wisconsin doesn't really throw to their running backs that much, but he clearly can do it. He just wasn't asked to do it up there in Madison. He was a terrific runner, had some issues with the fumbling, but he's corrected that as he's got to the NFL, which not a whole lot of guys can do. That speaks to what his work ethic is like as he was one of the best offensive weapons in the league last year. Well, just think about this, and I've been bitching about this for three years, right? Since they paid Zeke, right? Zeke had 65 targets last year. He had 47 catches. Zeke averaged 6.1 yards a catch. Taylor's averaging 2.9 yards more per catch. You know, he's got seven catches more, you know, and, and, and Taylor's ratio, which to me is something we don't talk enough about. 
is the targets compared to the catches, right? So what you want to be able to do is have that ratio. I, I think his was 51 to 40. I mean, that, that's a productive ratio. It's a little bit like at-bats. If you're getting too many at-bats and you're not getting hits, your percentage goes down, right? Well, mm-hmm. if you're getting a lot of targets and you're not getting enough catches, something's wrong with the offense, right? It's either you're not making the play, you're dropping the ball, or something's going on. Whereas I think when you look at this guy, I mean, last year he got 51 touch, 51 looks. I mean, Hines got 57. They both had 40 catches. This guy averaged nine yards a catch. Like, I think he's going to expand his game with their offense. And I think the additions of John Fox and Gus Bradley on the defensive side, I think the combination of the two, I I like the Colts' chances better. The Colts right now are the favorites at DraftKings, our show sponsor, to win the division. The added Matt Ryan, you mentioned the new defensive coordinator there, Gus Bradley, in Matt Eberfuss out in the windy city in Chicago to take over the Bears. Do you think that's justified as the Colts? Because you mentioned 14-10 and 10 under Frank Reich against the AFC South, but here they are as a team that's expected to win this division. Do you agree with that? Well, I do because I think, look, we, we know Houston's in rebuilding mode, mode and we know Jacksonville is too, and Jacksonville should be improved. There's no denying that. I mean, just getting Urban out of there is going to improve them, right? Yeah. And, you know, Houston is, you know, whether Davis Mills can handle the job, we'll see. He did a better job last year. He played well. But I, I think what the concern I have, and I have this every year with Tennessee, is like you've been, you've been reading this as much. Like Traylon Burks must be completely out of shape, right? Yep. Like, he, he can't stay on the practice field. I mean, if they think they're going to get production out of him as the first round, he's going to have to really change. And then Robert Woods is coming off of a, a, a knee. How effective will he be? Are there going to be enough weapons around Tannehill besides Henry? I don't know. I mean, I think they're better on defense. I think there's no doubt. I think they'll get, you know, they've done a good job of repairing that defense. They're going to have to run the ball and play. But the door's wide open for the Colts if if Ryan plays to a level that I think he's capable of. And when he had this offense, right, when he had this style of offense in 16 going back to Atlanta, you know, he averaged 9-3 a, a pass. Now, you say to me, well, the Colts don't have a number one receiver. And I say, yeah, you're probably right. But in this style of offense with play-action pass, I think Pittman, you know, Pittman, I think he had 88 catches last year. He's not a one, but he can add value to the team. They've got to get Paris Campbell some kind of production. The guy's played 15 games in three years. I mean, he's been a complete durability <laughs> issue, right? And Alex Pierce has got to come through for him. But more than anything is, look, here's what I think people miss, miss a little bit about the Colts last year. They only played 28 minutes of defense, 28, 12 minutes of defense. And yet the play count, the amount of plays they played in that 28 minutes was exactly the same as their offense ran. The offense ran 1,057 plays. Their defense played 1,050 plays. They played four minutes left, but played as much because they were so shitty on third down. They were so shitty and they were not good in situational football, which is what they got to change. I was reading stuff out of Indianapolis, the reports that are coming out of OTA camp, and they're wowed by Matt Ryan. This is what Frank Reich said to the media, quote, These last few weeks with Matt have been incredibly eye-opening to what a pro he is. I always knew he was a great passer, but his accuracy, it's insane. And later on, he was kind of almost comparing him to Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, other guys that he's been around. They're loving Matt Ryan. Michael Pittman said he's so accurate. All you have to do is run, turn, and then you catch it. The ball's right there. So far, the early returns look pretty good with the new QB1. 
I think they're going to be really good. I mean, when you study Ryan last year and you see how many – I mean, these guys gotten sacked over 40 times in the last four years. He's gotten the shit kicked out of them. I mean, they didn't protect him very well, you know, and, and yet he was still able to keep his eye level down the field. Uh, he was still able to make some throws. You know, they've got to do a better job with him in the red zone. I think he turned the ball over too much in the red zone last year. But I, I think Ryan's going to be a huge help, especially since he's not the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, he doesn't have to be the guy. It's This is Jonathan Taylor's game, right? It's Jonathan Taylor's moment to really shine. And, you know, look, last year Matt Ryan on a shitty team, on a shitty team, four fourth-quarter comebacks, game-winning drives. I mean – on a shitty team, a team that gave up 560 points, although they don't need defensive help. They need another receiver, Femi, because they only gave up 560 <laughs> points. The year before, they gave up 626. But oh, and the year before that, they gave up 606. You, uh, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. The, the points allowed. No, I was giving you the, the pass. The, no. But, I mean, they gave up so many points. Like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Drake London can play both sides of the ball like high school days. Um, this I mean, Colts he's going to have to. <laughs> yeah. This Colts team, though, I'm really high on them. I, I mean, I, when they trade for Matt Ryan, I bet them to win the Super Bowl just because of the path. Like you mentioned with the AFC South. Now, I don't want to disrespect Tennessee because every year we disrespect Mike Rabel and his Tennessee Titans. And every year, there they are in the playoffs. They're tough. They're physical. They're always a smart team. And they play situational football, like you mentioned. But I think that the Colts... If all goes well, if they're able to stay healthy, especially Jonathan Taylor, that's a guy who had a big workload in 2021. If he can stay healthy again in 2022, this team should be that 10-11 win caliber team, which in 2022 might be good enough to win that division there. If they can beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville, yeah, if they can, they got to go six and over five and one in the division. I mean, that's an excuse. If they don't do that, if they don't do that, and they got the NFC East, if they don't do, if they go five and one, and they go through the NFC East at three and one, right? So now they're eight mm-hmm. and two. They play ten games. They got seven games to win two more games. I mean, that's yeah. really doable. That's doable, but that that but it hasn't happened. When you're fourteen, like everybody talks about the South being shitty, and it is. But when you're fourteen and ten, you, you got to be you got to win the division. You got to win what you who you play. It's it's one of the things that you you constantly look at at your board and your office is you're always looking at you know how do we match up to the to the division we play in. It's one of Al Davis's pet peeves. It's like every question he would ask you as it relates to the AFC West. How does this guy block? that how does this guy attack that corner if you can't win and 14 and 10 ain't going to cut it yeah no they have to improve there and winning at jacksonville will be the first step in improving that because it has been a house of horrors for them duval county as it cost them their season last year and it cost carson wentz his job i want to take one quick break here on the other side i want to ask you about a new general manager that we have in the national football league and also the return of sopranos in 60 Hang with us. It's the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, Michael, we have a new GM in the National Football League here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. After months of interviews, they finally settled on their guy, an in-house guy. Omar Khan will take over for the Pittsburgh Steelers as their new general manager. He worked inside the building almost as a successor here in Pittsburgh, similar to Eric DaCosta taking over for Ozzie Newsom out there in Baltimore. But his most recent role, he was a VP of Football and Business Administration, started with the organization in 2001. He's only 45 years old, so he stepped foot in the organization at 24 years old. He has a really impressive background here, mainly on the cap management and negotiating side is what I was reading up on him. But I wanted to ask you, 
as a general manager, when is the best time to be hired? Is it after a regular season or is it after a draft? I think it's after the draft. I think Omar can go in there. You know, he's been involved with the draft. He's seen how the Steelers do things. And I think more than anything, he's not going to change how they how they formulate their opinions, how they collect data. You know, he brought Andy Waddell in to be his director or, or assistant general manager, mm-hmm. which gives him another football guy. And Omar is, you know, he started at the Saints. He went up there. He knows how they operate. He knows the inner workings of what's going on with the Steelers and the process. And now he can implement whatever changes he wants to make, whatever subtleties he wants to bring to the job, he certainly can. But the the idea of, of getting it now is the perfect time. He can build his team around him that he wants and the first move was to bring Weddle in from the from the from the Eagles who also interviewed for the GM job but he took the assistant GM job so good yeah. good for him I mean look I, I appreciate any time a guy that's worked within the organization has paid his dues and gets there because he's seen the rough roads I mean he's been with Kevin Colbert every decision he's made he's yep. been right there lockstep so he's got experience at the job yeah it's goes in line with what that Steelers organization is and it's continuity so it shouldn't be a surprise that they hired somebody who was in-house, had been there more than a decade, or more than two decades, I should say there. It's not an outsider yeah. that's coming in here. And I think that's really why you see certain teams draft really well, because that continuity, you know what kind of player fits with your organizational philosophy. So it's not just a mix and match of, well, that was a previous regime. I don't know about that guy. Well, I like this guy. This is going to be cohesive, and it's going to be a smooth transition. You know, I think it really goes back to, 1969, the Orange Bowl, when Penn State was playing Kansas, believe it or not, in an Orange Bowl. Kansas, I think, <laughs> was either undefeated or had one loss. John Riggins was the running back. And and Penn State was on the last drive of the game, and they, they failed to convert the two-point play. They went for two to win the Orange Bowl. They didn't get it. They had, uh, Kansas had too many men on the field. They ran it again. They won the Orange Bowl. Paterno now is a hero in Western PA. The Steelers are trying to hire him as their head coach. He sleeps on it, decides he's not going to take the job, and they turn to Chuck Knoll. And that turning to Chuck Knoll, combined with Dick Haley, Todd Haley's father, and then this man, Bill Nunn, who's in the Hall of Fame, one of the first African-American mm-hmm. scouts, that changed their organization tremendously. And, and, it, and that change that happened in 69 is still in place today. They scout inside out. They know who they are. They've modified. They've adjusted. They've adapted. But the, the blueprint and the foundation that Noel laid, and Noel was a tremendous scout. No, I don't think he gets enough credit for this. You know, back in those days, he used to go on the road. They used to go on the road all, all most, of, most of all of, of February, March, and April. He had half the country when he was working for the Colts before he came to the Steelers. So he did that. And I think that that, that continuity that they've developed – it kind of spreads perfectly with what they did with Kyron and Khan. You know, because when you come into a new place, you, you, you can't really change. They're, they're used to doing it a certain way. You have to adapt because they have been successful. I mean, they have been very successful in what they've done over the last, you know, what, 20, 30 years, since 69, really. I mean, yeah. they, might have a bad, they might have a bad year here or there, but let me see. They've got 51. The last five years, they're 51, 28, and 2. The last 10 years, they are 99 and 60. Yeah, that, that's as steady as it can be. They're averaging about 10 yep. wins roughly per season. You've been in that role as a general manager. What piece of advice would you give Omar Khan? 
I think what I would give Omar Khan is evaluate the evaluators. I think that's the number one thing you got to do in that job. You got to know who to trust and and in certain areas of whose expertise are in. You know, some guys are really good at linebacker scouting. Some guys are good at wide receiver. Some guys are good at offensive line. You've got to really understand understand your the guys that are evaluating and tr- and make sure you evaluate the evaluators. And then basically put a little bit of a, you know, I'm going with this guy on this one because he, he does a good job here. I'm not going to listen to this guy. And you don't have to come out and say it, but you're kind of working that. And I think you've got to do a good job of internally scouting your scouts to understand what they bring to the table and what benefits you have. That would be one. Two, I think I would constantly, I would remind him to ask the question like we talked about the other day is what do they know that we don't? You know, let, let, let us be more curious on what we're doing and maybe adapt our style a little bit in terms of where we are today. Yeah, curiosity, I think, is one of the traits that every person who's been really successful in whatever uh, arena, curiosity seems to be the common theme about all of those people. They were always curious, willing to ask the questions that others were not. So we wish Omar Khan the best of luck. Uh, big shoes to fill, filling the shoes of Kevin Colbert there in Pittsburgh. But the Steelers, they say that he's the guy to do it, so I'm sure that he is more than qualified to take over in that role. Before we get out of here, Michael, the Sopranos yeah. in 60, the people have been asking for it. The Sopranos yeah. in 60, well, it's on buddy. you. I let's, mean, it's, you got to catch go. up. Uh, so last night, I watched episodes five and six of the first season. Still taking my time as we go through, but we'll start to have some nights where there's no sports going on or no big events going on as the NBA playoffs uh, start to wrap up here. And I had some thoughts about Sopranos in 60. So we're going to try to come heavy or not come at all, as Uncle Junior said there in the episode. But um, interesting stuff. Meadow in episode number five starts to really question Tony. And now this I, is I, when they. It's when they're going I, to college so, in Maine. Yeah. The, 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 so this is called college. And then he goes and whacks the guy. Yeah, he wha- that he was whacks the informant. Yeah, Fr- Fred the informant or whatever I mean, he goes by. He was the witness you, protection you, agency. Yeah. <laughs> You can't get away from being a mafia boss, even when you're out taking your daughter to college, you know, and like the job creeps up on you. She's just drilling him with questions. It's like, why are you at the phone booth? Why are you here? Why? What's up with your shoes? Why is your hand cut? And he's keeps denying. He's like, oh, the mafia is not a thing, all this stuff. But he kind of slowly starts to uh, to tell her what's going on there. But it's I thought it was an interesting dynamic of now the family members and the, the mom, Carmela knows, but like the kids are starting to kind of pick up on, hey, our dad is... He's not in the waste management business, really. He's maybe yeah. in the in the mob business. But one scene that really made me, and it wasn't a scene, it was all throughout the episode, that was, I was, the question marks and the red flags were flying immediately was Father Phil. Like the minute Father yeah. Phil walked into the house, I was like, this guy's up to no good. He came for Big ZD. And he said, yeah, I just, yeah, well, yeah. I really love the Big ZD. And yeah. all that, he yeah, movies. movies yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, then their, their faces are like two inches apart. He's looking at her lips, at Carmela's lips. I'm like, what is... What is going on here? But I mean, I guess that's karma for Tony for some of his uh, transgressions that he does. But it is it, we're starting to pick up here in this first season, I shall say. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to get to the good stuff. I mean, you know, like to me, Pax Soprano, which is episode six that you saw, was written by the great Frank Renzulli, who's one of the to me, I think one of the great writers of the show. He has some of the greatest lines, uh, the humor that he's able to invoke on that. And, you know, Father Phil in there, you know, and they talk about the Godfather, which episode, which which one Tony likes the best. He likes him when they go back to Italy, Godfather, too. And then to me, you know, now you're going to see the emergence of Uncle Junior take over and mm-hmm. you're going to see see how uncle junior kind of wants to tony tries to tell him the story about not not trying to 
to go down there and he tells him a story about Caesar, about Caesar not to fuck all the girls and just take your time and <laughs> share your wealth, which Uncle Junior doesn't quite get to it. As he says, you know, just spit it out. Tell me what you're thinking. But it, it, it really is going to get, we're going to see, you're going to see the buildup of the relationship between Tony, his mother, and Uncle Junior as that all comes together. Yeah. And how they kind of put Junior in the front yep. to be the, the linchpin to basically where you got, you know, some of the great characters behind the scenes. I mean, Jimmy Altieri and, and Larry Boy, one of my favorite characters, Larry Boy. I wish he was in more episodes because he's so good. But I, I think it's just this this season is so good. And eventually when you get to Boca, that's when you really, it starts to really go. Yeah, because Tony is just conceded to Uncle Junior say, hey, you're going to be the guy and we're all good here. Yep. So there's no longer the friction that was there early on there with Uncle Junior's crew and then Tony's crew. And don't get me started on Christopher. That kid just runs hot at all times. If you're annoyed by him, where do you get to AJ by season five? I mean, he's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? But I love that scene where Tony comes into that diner. I, I tried to find that diner one day. I, it doesn't ex exist anymore. But, you know, I, I, I've driven trying to find that. And, and uh, Junior's in there and when Tony leans him forward and I got to show you know and, and J they make the deal when he whispers in his ear you know Tony ends up getting the Bloomfield's uh, gambling operation which mm -hmm. ends up that story continues on through so it, it, it's brilliant Femi how they tied it all together and it's going to go through seven seasons of being tied together yeah no and I'm really uh, excited to get on this journey now that we're into the summer months it's really hot out here so it's yeah. gonna be a lot of staying inside and cranking that air conditioning yeah. and it'll be the perfect viewing experience I, for I, I know i mean it, <laughs> i know i told my grandson's here he's been here for the month you know and he's like the other day he was out playing at the playground it's too hot i'm like brother man you, you're going to vegas if you think this is hot in jersey we got we have a little ocean breeze coming yeah. to you you know like you're in trouble yeah, wait till July. <laughs> wait till July. Yeah, wait till uh, July. Yeah, that does it for this. Uh, oh, he'll week's be with. Episode. He'll be here in oh. July. He'll be here in July. Oh, so there you go. So he'll get a little bit of ocean breeze. Go play in the water a little bit. But uh, um, that does it for this week's episode. Awesome talking to you as always, Michael. Um, thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Visa. Thank you to our producer Stephen Bond. And we will be back next week, Michael. I'll talk to you then. Thank you, Femi.